cares with his creation, okay? And he, he allows us to know him because we also can we also understand and have many of those qualities. But then he has these things called his incommunicable incommunicable attributes. Those are things that he doesn't share with his creation. He just he's very different than us. And so we've primarily been looking at those things. How is God different than us? Um, all of us know um, that we're limited. Who, who's limited? I mean, who's who's unlimited in here? Anybody unlimited? You know, got any superheroes in here? No, no superheroes. You know, some. If you're a dad, you you know, your kids might think you are a superhero. You know, you stand alongside Spider-Man and Batman, and uh, you can do almost anything. But most of us realize that we're not, you know, we're not unlimited. We are pretty limited in what we can do. And as time goes on, as life rolls on, we we really um, feel that a little more. Gosh, we're just not able to get everything done maybe like we thought we could back in the past. We get tired. Um, we have some limitations on our life. Maybe over time you feel sore and more tired. And This is something that is very different with God. He is not like that. He is not limited um, as we are. And so we're going to look at this area of strength and power and how God, what the scripture says about God's strength and his power. And if you'd like, you can pull this out, this listening guide, and you can follow along. The first thing on here says God does whatever he wants in the manner that he thinks best. Okay? This is a statement that describes who God is. God does whatever he wants in the manner that he thinks best. He has no limits. He has no boundaries, limitations. Um, Psalm 115, verse 3 says this, says, our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases Him. He, he doesn't play by our rules. He doesn't do things that please us. He does whatever pleases Him. In the manner that He thinks best. It's something that is some, somewhat hard for us to get our minds around because we are limited. And also, we want to box God in because of our own limitations. If we're limited, then God Himself must be limited, we think. Um, but that's just not the case. God is, is what's known as He's om, omnipotent. That means He's all-powerful. He has all the power at His disposal. He's also sovereign. So He's omnipotent, He's all-powerful, and He's also sovereign, which means He's in control of everything. Okay. And according to the Scriptures, you find this out over and over and over again, that He, he is these things. He's omnipotent, He's sovereign, He can do whatever He would like. And you find... His power is at work all over the place. One, it's at work over all creation. His power is at work over all creation. Romans 1, verse 20, it states that, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, His eternal power, His divine nature, those are some things, those are His eternal qualities. His, his eternal power and His divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that men are without excuse. This is a picture that as we open our eyes and we look around at the world and the creation that God has made, we recognize that somebody is behind all this. Someone who's got this eternal plan. He's working out his purposes in the world around us. And just by living and, and seeing all that's around us, we can't help but credit that to someone. You know, all the, the mountains, the Rocky Mountains, if you've ever been able to visit any of the major um, historical monuments in our country, you know, the, the Rocky Mountains, the Grand Canyon, the Niagara Falls, 
Um, this, even just looking up into the into the sky at night, seeing this, you know, seeing the sky and all the stars, recognizing, you know, somebody did all this. Somebody is responsible for creating all this. And that's just that's what that verse is stating. God is in His creation. We learn some things about Him. Psalm 19. This isn't up on the slide, but Psalm 19, 1 and 2. It says the same. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of His hands. Day after day they pour forth speech. Night after night they display knowledge. Again, we're learning just as we experience God's creation. He shows us His unlimited power through what He's made. And secondly, we see His power at work over all of the events of history. This is, has a lot to do with how God is sovereign. He's in control of everything. There's no event that happens in life that God um, isn't able to intervene in, isn't able to work um, His plan out through. He is sovereign. He's not going to work things out necessarily the way that we would always um, see them work out, but God has a plan He's trying to work out. Jeremiah 32, verse 17, gives us a statement that I'd like to tell you a little bit about why, why Jeremiah made the statement. Jeremiah was one of the men that God spoke through as a prophet to God's people. And God's people had been disobedient. They weren't following him. And because of that, God allowed his people to be taken captive. And so um, as they were taken captive, you get this story here or you get this, these verses in Jeremiah 32 where Jeremiah is in prison and the king who's ruling over that region goes to Jeremiah um, this is the, the king of Judah. His name is Zedekiah. He goes to Jeremiah in prison and he begins to have a conversation with him about um, statements that Jeremiah is making. Because Jeremiah is talking about, he's prophesying about something that was going to happen in the future. And he was saying, our land is going to be taken over. We're going to be taken captive and you, the king, um, basically are going to be put to shame. And Zedekiah goes to him and begins to say, how can you say all these things are going to take place? And then the events begin to unfold. Um, Jeremiah, God told him, he said, I'm going to send one of your relatives to you. And he's going to offer to sell you a piece of land, a field. And I want you to buy this field. And Jeremiah is thinking, well, if our land is going to be taken over by the enemy, and we're going to be taken captive, some kicked out, why would I buy this Lot of land. Why would I buy this field? And and so Jeremiah begins to see these things unfold. God said, "This is what's going to happen. Your relative's going to come." Sure enough, Jeremiah's relative showed up, offers him to buy this field, and Jeremiah does what God says. He buys the field, and he has the whole transaction certified. Okay, and you can read about that in Jeremiah chapter thirty-two. And then you get to this um, verse seventeen. He says, "Ah, sovereign Lord." You have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and your outstretched arm. See, he recognizes just from creation, he recognized that God is responsible for all this. And then he says, nothing is too hard for you. And so Jeremiah was declaring, you know what? If you want me to buy this field, even though our land is going to be in ruin and we're going to be taken over, I'll, I'll, I'll do that because nothing is too hard for you. Later on, you follow and you find out that what God is going to do is eventually He's going to bring His people back into, his land, into their land. And so he was, he was trying to tell Jeremiah about something that was going to happen in the future. 
God is not through with this land. God is not through with this people. So just trust me, he's saying. And so what we find in Scripture is that God's power is at work even over the events of history. God is in control of um, invading armies. God's in control of um, you know, what happens on the battle lines. He's working things out. Another thing is you find that God's power is at work over all mankind, just over all of our lives and over all the events of our lives. And many times in human history, God has interrupted people's lives in order to accomplish his eternal plan. There's probably been times in your life you've been going about thinking you had pretty good understanding of what was going to happen, and then, boom, God interrupts your life with something you just had no, uh, you, you didn't see anywhere. Maybe it was a real hurtful thing. Maybe it was a really harmful thing. Um, maybe it was a really good thing. But there's just certain things that God is working His power out in, in our own lives. Um, one of the most, uh, I guess, significant interruptions was to a young Jewish girl named Mary. Uh, Mary, you probably read the story, Mary was Jesus' mother. And there was an angel that appeared to Mary and Basically, uh, you find this in Luke 1, verses 26 through 37. And I'm just going to sum up the story here, but uh, God sends this angel named Gabriel to a town in Galilee to a virgin who was pledged to be married. And so she had not been married yet. And this angel comes to Mary and he tells her, greetings, you're highly favored. The Lord is with you. And Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. An angel appears to her and she's thinking, uh-oh, something strange is about to happen. <laughs> okay? She's troubled because she sees this angel and the angel's really happy to see her. And she's like, oh, you know, oh great, what does this mean? And then he tells her, you, he says, but the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. And then she asked the question, well, how will this be since I am a virgin? You see, she was pledged to be married to Joseph, but she was still a virgin. So she's thinking, how could I be pregnant at this point? How is that possible? And then the angel answers and he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And even now, your Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. And then you get to verse 37 here. Again, just a proclamation of God's power. For nothing is impossible with God. Just over and over again, we find that God is not limited in power like we are. God is able to just interrupt our lives for good. Interruptions come even that we think are horrible things. Maybe sometimes things God allows that we just can't figure out why they're happening to us. But there are certainly times in our lives when we just had not seen Him coming and we do not know what to do. And God is still, He's still sovereign, He's still all-powerful, and somehow He's working out His plan. Um, it, if He's all-powerful and sovereign, though, then it, the question comes up, is there anything that God cannot do? I mean, you would think if I said he's all-powerful and he's sovereign, the answer would be no. But according to the Scripture, there's actually some things that God cannot do because of his own nature. Um, one, he can't lie. Okay, He cannot lie. You find this in Titus 1-2 and Hebrews 6-18 that God, he doesn't lie. Okay, 
He's true to his word. He's faithful. Because one of his, one of his attributes is faithfulness. Okay? He's reliable. So therefore, he cannot be the opposite of that. He cannot tell a lie. Uh, also, he can't sin. He can't be tempted. He can't tempt anyone. You find that in James chapter 1, verse 13. That God does not tempt anyone by evil. He will, he will not tempt anyone with evil. He, does not, he is not tempted. Um, so in that way, um, you might call it a limitation, but again, it's he cannot go against who he is. It's not that he's limited. He just, in his own character, and his nature, he can't go against himself. Another thing is he can't change. We talked about that last week. You find it in James 1.17, Hebrews 13.18. God is, is unchanging. He's unchangeable. And then last, another thing that he, he can't do, he won't do, is he just will not violate his moral attributes. Okay? We're going to look at this next week in more detail, but he won't violate his holiness. He's holy. He's perfect. There's things that Scripture says about him. He's just. He's merciful. He's loving. He can't violate those things. Okay? Because that is, that is who he is. So it's not that he's limited. It's just that he has... Um, uh, it would go against his character for him to act in opposite to those things. So God can do anything at all. Whatever he chooses to do, he put the stars in place. He spoke things into existence with his, with his word through his power. He breathed life into a lump of clay and, and created the first man. He's, just, he's unlimited. And what you find out is he's unlimited, but we're very limited. Nothing is impossible for him. Things are pretty tough for us. You know, nothing is too difficult. All sorts of things are difficult for us. You know, we just find ourselves in this tension. And the good thing about God is that he's not a power hungry God. You know, you you might work for a boss who's just power hungry. He's got to do everything, has to make all the decisions. He's power hungry. God is not like that. He's a power sharing God. He, He shares his power with us. And that's what you find in the scripture is that he invites us to get involved in things and to rely on him, to ask him for power to move forward. Um, in other words, he can give us power as power is needed. God wants to supply the power in our lives. And that is very, very helpful at times when we really, really need his help. <clears throat> Second Timothy one seven. It's just a, it says, For God did not give us a spirit of fear or timidity, but he gave us a spirit of power, of love and of self-discipline. And what God offers, He offers to just infuse us with His power in moments when we feel like everything's falling apart. And we're going to look at three times in our lives, probably the three most common areas where we need God's power. I'm just going to walk through them really quickly. I'm going to lay out what the Scripture says about how, how to tap into God's power. And then we're going to hear a testimony from someone in our congregation who has walked through some hard times and is planning to share just how he's dealt with some of those things. So, uh, first thing, I need God's power when I'm in pain. This is times when we need God's power. First, when we're in pain. Personally, we go through things. Sickness, um, health problems. Uh, maybe it's even financial pain, emotional pain. Maybe someone we're close to is in pain. Or maybe we've lost someone. That All of that stuff, there's great pain. And in those moments when we feel like we cannot take a step forward, we need to know that God is there to, 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 make, to help us take one more step forward 
and another step forward and another step forward. Um, you know, and, and to different degrees, everyone in here has experienced pain, but we have experienced it to different degrees. And um, But the, the truth about life is that none of us are immune from, from pain. None of us. And you might look around and think about people in the room that have experienced some pretty, pretty um, hard, life-altering things. Loss. Um, and, and you might think... Um, your heart, I mean, goes out. My heart goes out to those of you who've walked through some horrible, horrible, you know, just loss and heartache and just. And but the truth, the truth is, um, all of us at different times will walk through some very, very painful things. And Jesus says to us in John sixteen thirty three, he says this. He says, I've told you these things. He's trying to bring comfort to his people. He says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. He's saying that, look, we live in a, in a world full of trouble. A distorted place that is marred by sin and just all the effects of sin and how it works itself into our lives and just the things that we experience are hard. And now, with, by God's grace... You know, God God protects us from all sorts of things, but we still walk through painful, painful things, and we need His help in those moments. We need to know God can come alongside us and strengthen us. So that's that's probably um, one of the most common is, is just when we're in pain. Another thing is I need God's power when I'm being tempted. When I'm being tempted, we need help avoiding those things that we shouldn't do. Those things that are just off limits, those things that God says bring real harm in our lives, we need help in those moments. At the very moment we're tempted, we need to know that God can help us through that. Um, you know, lying, cheating, flirting with someone who's not my spouse, reporting less on my taxes, allowing myself to be put in a compromising situation where I've fallen before. You know, there's just all of these things that I could list out that you could list out that are just temptations for us. You know, before I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ, I just felt like I was constantly bombarded by temptation. And I thought, oh, you know, by coming to Christ, that would all change. And what I found, that wasn't the case. I committed my life to Christ, and the temptation was still there. The struggles were still there. But the good thing was I realized that I was no longer alone. I didn't have to face temptation on my own, that God himself wanted to Give me his power when it was needed. Hebrews 4.15, it, it, it says this, For we do not have a high priest, talking about Jesus, we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize or feel with us our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. Now, Jesus himself walked through temptation. He was tempted, and just from what we see recorded in the Scripture, he was tempted by directly by the enemy. Satan himself tempted Jesus. Um, and Jesus battled with the Word of God. And, but he was tempted. And the good thing about knowing Jesus, if you've committed your life to Him, it's this verse is saying, look, we have someone who, has, who, has, who understands temptation. He's been there. And it's easy to talk to someone about our own struggles when we know the person understands, when we know that they've been there. Nobody wants to talk to someone who has no 
um, experience with what we're dealing with. But Jesus understands our struggles. That's what the scripture is saying here. Another thing is, I need God's power when I'm struggling to do what's right. Just simply, you know, there's temptation, but then on the other side of temptation, there is trying to do what's right. Just trying to walk with God, the things that I know He wants me to do. You know, we, we often, we lack the power, we feel like we lack the power to just follow God and to, to choose to do what He's asking us to do. Um, things like serving, helping out, being merciful to people, being patient when your kids are just driving you crazy. You know, being patient when you're in traffic on the freeway and you're just trying to get home from work. You know, being, being patient in times when people are just, you know, you're just up to here with people and all their complaints of you. Just choosing to forgive people who've hurt you. There's all sorts of things that, that we know God wants us to do and we need His power to actually follow through and take, take action. Um, Last week we talked about giving, giving back to God. You know, that's not easy. We need God's power to give back to Him out of our resources. And so, in all these moments, God, the all-powerful and sovereign God, wants to give us power right when we need it. And there's, there's according to the Scriptures, there's these five areas that, that help us get God's power in our lives in the moment we need it. So first, I tap into God's power by admitting that I'm weak without Him. I just, I admit that I'm weak without Him. We cannot get His help if we're convinced we can do life on our own. God will not come to your aid. God will not supply power if you are convinced that you can handle it on your own. Whether it's pain, temptation, just trying to grow. If you think, you know, that's something that you got covered and God can take care of the weak people, um, then can God just he just he allows us to stumble around. He doesn't he doesn't answer, he doesn't supply anything. The best thing for us just to do is to admit, and I am weak in this area. I am in pain. I'm hurting. I am broken and I have no I cannot move forward on my own. God, I need you to help me move forward. In 2 Corinthians 12:9, this is a verse by a man who dealt with all sorts of problems, all sorts of pain temptation, struggles. This is from the Apostle Paul, one of the church leaders, and he said this. This is He's talking about one of the things that God spoke to him in a moment of weakness. He says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weaknesses. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Again, this is from a man who spent many years imprisoned, had chronic health conditions, he was persecuted. And you can find some uh, chapters in the Bible that just the list go on and on and on about all the heartache and pain that Paul faced. And yet he's saying, look, it's when I admitted my weaknesses, when I admitted that I could not move forward on my own, that God brought me power. He gave me the power. That's when God's power works the best, when we're broken, when we admit that we're broken. He even, he even went as far as and said, I boasted in my weaknesses. He realized that Boasting by even by just you get the picture here that he's just so convinced that he's unable to make progress on his own or to move forward on his own. So he's he's boasting in just how bad he is and just how bad things have gone for him and how um, incapable he is. And then God's able to pour his strength into his life. Helplessness opens our hearts up to God in prayer. So 
The second thing, though, we tap into God's power not only by admitting our weakness, but also by affirming God's power in His presence. Just affirming what God has done in the past. When we need God's power, we, we need to declare, God, You've been faithful in the past. I see, how, I see Your faithfulness in the Bible and the lives of many, many people. And then I've experienced Your faithfulness in my own life in these things. And I just I, and affirming your presence, God, I know you're here. You, your word says that you will not forsake me. You'll never leave me. You're with me all the time. And so, in the times when we need power, we need to, we need to affirm what God has done, and that really strengthens us to move forward. First Chronicles sixteen eleven and twelve says, "Look to the Lord and His strength. Seek His face always. Remember the wonders that He has done, His miracles, and the judgments He pronounced." We're just we're encouraged there to, to reflect on the past. And that helps us as we move forward. Reflect on what God has done. All of us have some things that, that we can point to and say, you know, God, I'm pretty sure that was by God's hand that I made it through that, that I, I was able to move forward. I'm pretty sure the good stuff back there was from God. And so it's very important to recall that stuff. Bring that stuff to mind. If you're married and you're dealing with something together, to talk about that together, that really adds a lot of strength for you. I know that has for me and my wife. When we're struggling, when we hit a point where we're thinking, how are we going to move forward? Um, for us to, just to say, you know, God has been so faithful. He's not ripped us off. And we just can talk about the times we've seen Him come through. Man, it really helps us put our hope in Him and helps us take steps to move forward. And you've got to get into the Scripture, though. I mean, to affirm God's you know, power and His presence... A big part of that is getting to know who He is. Finding out the ways that He has worked in the past. Again, it's hard to trust a God that we don't know. So, again, get to know God. Uh, the third thing is this. Tapping into God's power by aligning myself with God's will. We need to align ourselves with His will. God's power is intended to be used for God's purposes. In John 15:5, Jesus he said this, he, he said of himself, he said, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, then he will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. The word remain there, the Greek word, what it basically means is means stay in, the, in that place. Stay there. Stay where you're at. So if a man remains in, in, in Christ, to stay connected to him, that's that's where our power supply is. He is our power supply. As soon as we disconnect, you know, if you break a branch off of the vine, then the branch withers and dies. It does not. It can't get life from that power source because the vine is the power source. So Jesus is saying, look, your your connection to me is critical. So we, we want to stay aligned with Him and aligning Him ourselves with His will. In other words, it's when we're working in concert and harmony with God and His will, that He can give us His power to accomplish things. Or power just to take another step forward when we feel like we're stuck. And, you know, when we're stubbornly pushing our own agenda, when we've already got a plan that we're working, and we're trying to force God to do, to do that or to support our plans, we, we find that we don't get the power we need. But when we, when we ask God, God, would you show me what your will is? Would you show me in the Scriptures? Would you help me to see what you want me to do? The things you've already... Um, reveal to us as, as people who follow you. Help me to stay in line with those things. Help me to get in sync with you because that's where the real power is, is staying in line with what God has already said. 
Um, another thing is, it's just simply when you need power to ask Him. Asking God. And the Scripture says this. Very often, we need to ask God for His power when, when we need it. This is one of the hardest things for us to do, is ask. We don't like to ask. We talked about this maybe a month ago when we looked at prayer and how Jesus said that He, he likes us to ask Him. You know, God wants us to ask Him for what we need. Make our requests known to Him. Um, we never get past this in our relationship to God. And, and this is yet one of the hardest things for us, just to simply ask Him for the power. Uh, James 4.2 talks about conflict in our relationships. And it says, it says, you want something, but you don't get it. You kill and you covet. You cannot have what you want. You quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. See, we go about life trying to work out our own plans again without asking God. And we try to, we try to bypass Him, doing and run on God, thinking we're going to get what we want. And, and we frustrate ourselves. Our plans get frustrated. Our lives become very, very uh, much like a hamster wheel where we just feel like we're making no progress. And oftentimes we're not asking God for power. We're not simply going to God Himself. We ask everyone else for help. We, do, we read everything else we can get our hands on, but we don't go to God and ask Him and wait and see what He has to say. Oftentimes, like Sunday, Saturday night rolls around for me, and I'm, I'm just kind of last minute collecting thoughts for my message, and then I get really anxious, and I think, oh, why would anybody show up to church tomorrow? And why would anybody want to listen? And I look at my notes, and I'm thinking, what were you thinking? That doesn't make any sense. And then what I recognize is oftentimes that's the enemy. And oftentimes it's my own fears and just me. I, I need to admit my weakness. God, here, here's what I prepared. And you know this is stuff you've put on my heart. And I, I, I ask you right now to give me the power to, to speak tomorrow. Sometimes it's Sunday morning. I'm sitting here. Songs are going through. And I'm, I'm recognizing I, I do not feel like I've got the strength to do what needs to be done to give the message. And this, this is true for all of us in all of our lives. There's just times when we need to admit where we're at and then ask God to help us. Give us the power to do what we need to do. The last thing is this. And you might, you might, sometimes this is me. I go through all this stuff and I'm still feeling like I cannot move forward. What God wants us to do is He wants us just to act out of obedience to Him. We actually need to take a step forward sometimes and just choose to do what He's told us to do already. And just whatever that might mean for you, this is what Jesus did on the cross. He, and leading up to the cross, Jesus was broken. He knew He was going to die a painful, painful death. And the Scripture says He went to a garden with His disciples to pray. And He was so broken up over what was about to happen that He would be crucified. And He would take the sin of the world. That He, he, he sweat tears of blood. And He said to God the Father, God, if there's any other way, you know, if this cup can pass from Me, if there's any other way to accomplish forgiveness for the whole world, then now would be the time, in a sense. And, you know, he said, he offered himself to God. He just acted in obedience. He said, not my will, but yours. You know, he just submitted himself to God's will, and he carried it out. Later, the Scripture says that he endured the suffering, he endured the cross, the shame for us. But it's a perfect picture of just how when we need power, and there's nothing else to do, just to, just to act in obedience, take a step forward and see if God doesn't supply the power as you're moving forward in the right direction. 
I wanted you to hear a story, um, just actually not necessarily a story, but really just a testimony from Scott Lambert. So I invite Scott to come up here, and he's going to share for a few minutes about just some things that he's faced and just some of the ways that God has helped him to have the strength to, to go forward. So this is Scott. You've, you've also heard from him this morning. But um, First of all, before I begin in this, um, as you hear this, you have to understand that um, <laughs> any of the work that has been done in my life is a direct result of God's power. I am the fool of fools, and this I would not have been long for this world without the help of God. So have that perspective. But um, I'm not the poster board child for suffering or anything like that. There have been a couple hard times. I had two things I'm going to focus on real briefly. Um, one, there, there have been other things that have happened that have maybe caused more loss, but because of the newness of those and because of others in here that are connected with that loss, um, I'm going to leave that alone at this time. But um, I had a brother commit suicide at age 30. He left, well, when he was 30, and he left uh, two kids and a wife behind. And then also I lost a, uh, me and my wife suffered the loss of a stillborn at 22 weeks, I believe. And uh, that was this last winter. And both of those instances... Um, left me and my wife and me and my family with an extreme sense of, of loss. Of a, One, my brothers left, left a real scar of bitterness. And then with my daughter, just a real sense of heartbreak. And, um, and I remember very shortly after getting the news of both, those, both instances, just really having this sense of life is spiraling out of control. And I don't know if I'm going to make it. And immediately the Lord drawing me to beg him for help. And then him sustaining me. Like actually really experiencing this, this sense of being able to hang on, at least enough just to make it through that moment. Um, uh, some things that really helped during that time and actually what made the difference to get through those times is first of all I was walking with God already when both those things happened. And, and that is a really crucial thing because um, I had already, and I hate to sound really cheesy and cliche, but there's no easier way to describe it, but I had already developed, I guess you could say, spiritual muscles in a way. Um, I understood a little bit about what the scriptures had to say about life. I wasn't simple anymore about life. Um, some perspective about God and suffering and how sin has corrupted the world had been built into me to where I kind of had that perspective going into it. Um, I have to use these notes. I'm sorry. If I don't, we'll be here all day. So <laughs> I tend to chase rabbits as I'm going. Um, also, I had also seen the Lord work in others' lives. And that was, I don't want to discount that at all. That is a huge thing. I remember there was a pastor um, who had lost a, a baby at about six months, um, meaning after the baby had already been born for about six months, and to some, just a, some kind of virus that came through town. And, and he got up afterwards shortly, and he said, you know, he got up in front of his congregation, and he said, I am so angry right now. I want to I wanna curse God, and I want to join the enemy, being Satan, and I want to fight against God for the rest of my life. He said, but at the same time, I don't. So God, please help me. And God did. 
God came through and helped them. And, and it's an incredible thing to see that already take place and then to go forward through something of your own after already having that experience. Um, perspective is a huge thing. Life is incredibly scary. And I'm not trying to be like Debbie Downer here or anything like that, but you know, it, it really is scary. And I work in hospice, and every day there's tragedy all around us going on. And every day people are suffering. And, and if you're not, that's, you know, then you can kind of go on with your life. And, and that's good. That's, God has their seasons of joy, and we, He wants us to be happy. And, but it's just every day bad things are going on around us, and, and we're just, we just don't know it. And so one day it will be our turn, is what I'm saying. And Disney is not right. Your dreams do not come true. <laughs> and that's just not true. You know, when I met there at the magical fireworks show and they're telling me all my dreams are going to come true, it's just, it's not, it's not true. And having that perspective is incredibly important. And, and really understanding, well, well, what is the alternative? Is life just a cesspool of suffering and misery and then we die? And, and no, that's not the case either. And, you know, this isn't a sermon about perspective on suffering and everything, so we aren't going to get into that. But I encourage you to learn. And one, one, one place you could start is C.S. Lewis wrote a book called The Problem with Pain, I believe. And, and, it, and it's not a scriptural approach to pain, but it is a Christian approach to pain. And it's, it's kind of helpful. So, um, uh, Isaiah 55 talks about, God, God is declaring that your thoughts are not my thoughts, your ways are not my ways. Something like that. And uh, as far as the heavens are from the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God is saying that to us. And to really believe that, to really get that, is an incredible gift of God. And, and I still don't thoroughly get that, and I do not understand it. But there came a point in both these instances where I just, I remember making a conscious decision, especially right after my brother had passed, and I found out the news, and I was sitting there, all these thoughts were going through my head. I was thinking, God, you could have sent somebody over there to stop him. You know, you could have sent a phone call. You could have given him just a thought of like, what am I doing? You know, like a memory of his children or something like that, you know? Like you could have done that, you know? And, uh, and then immediately I, I just felt this, this voice, not a voice, but I just felt this, like, just, I came to my senses and I made a decision right then and there. I said, God, over the next several days I'm going to think a lot of thoughts and I'm going to feel a lot of feelings. And no matter what I think and no matter what I feel, I declare right now that I will trust you and trust that you are good and trust that the scriptures are true about who you are. And, and that was, it's, it's hard to, even, even now explaining that, recapping that to you, to understand how that had nothing to do with me and how it really was just a, almost God picking me up and infusing me with the power and the grace of faith. Because what I'm describing there is faith. And that really is something that comes from the Holy Spirit. Um, also, the sense of not being ripped off. Is something, too, that God gifts, gifted me and my wife with, especially when we were losing our daughter. We really had a sense of heartbreak, and we really, I mean, we wept and we cried and we were disappointed. And, and, and I, you know, hope to God that that never happens to me or anybody again, but it will. And, but at the same time, there wasn't a sense of, wow, I'm really ripped off. Like, 
my thought was, and, and I'm amazed at this. I am truly amazed that I had these thoughts. But my thought was, you know, God, this happens to so many people. And in today's modern era of um, medical technology, we still can't seem to get kids born as frequently as you'd think. And uh, it's a very difficult thing to get a fetus all the way to adulthood. I mean, it's just very difficult. And um, there's a lot of loss. And uh, why shouldn't it happen to us? Just because we're Christians, why do we escape the, the, the normal tragedy of this life, you know? But what we do escape is the senseless bitterness that comes with that without knowing God, the God of the Bible. And, um, and that is the whole difference. That, that really, if that makes sense, that really helped us get through it. Um, and what that really is, is, I mean, there really was a sense of yielding that had to take place in both, both instances. I, I remember in all these, you know, all the different instances of suffering throughout my life, I remember a real choice. Am I going to yield to life and its circumstances? And I'm gonna, am I going to yield, you know, to the fact that God is trying to redeem a broken and bent world? And despite his... His, and, and we're still in the process of that redemption and bad things are still going to happen. Am I going to yield to that or am I going to kick and scream? And my choice is, if life is going to be very difficult for me and if it never gets better, and if more tragedy happens, the choice is, am I going to follow God or am I going to bail? And, and I've had to answer that question in all those different instances. And by the grace of God, and I mean that very sincerely, um, I've so far answered yes. And I hope that continues. So that's it. That's all I have to say. Thanks, Scott. <clears throat> Let, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you so much for your word that you've given to us, Lord, to give us perspective so that we do not have to guess at life. You've told us.